Namaste. Welcome to Buddha's teaching. My name is Soti Tim. First of all, I'd like to pay respect to the Triple Gems. I'd like to pay respect to the Buddha. I'd like to pay respect to the Dharma. And I'd like to pay respect to the Sangha. Hello everybody. It's good that I'm still able to talk. So that's a good thing. Still able to communicate. That means I'm still alive. You're still able to listen. That means you are good. That means you are alive. So in this episode, I like to touch on just you know pretty much similar topics that Buddha's teaching is all about. Especially the main concentration is on the mind, right? The body and the mind, and the mind is the main concentration of the teaching. One of the story that I learned recently about what the Buddha taught. The Buddha always recommend us to cultivate our mind in order for us to have the right view in seeing the truth. So why would we want to have right view? Because right view leads us to right understanding and right understanding leads us to right action and right action give us right result and which means that's what everybody wants we want good we want happy result in our daily life so very much everything comes down to the benefits of ourselves and that comes from having a right mind, a right view of what is it that is right that we need to do. So that is the teaching. Right? That is the main teaching that the Buddha keeps uh, repeating to for repeating the lesson for us to understand about, about this mind. Because without the mind, there's nothing else. Right? Who we are is body and mind. The body enables the mind to be conscious to be aware and to experience what we call life. So the mind is something that is needed and without right mind, without right view, we suffer. So it's important to have right view. It's important to have right thinking. It's important for us to cultivate our mind. And our mind is a phenomenon, is a natural phenomenon. So the mind is nature. Nature is always evolving. 
nature is always changing. The same goes with our mind. The mind is always evolving, and our mind is always changing. Our awareness is always changing. So, we have to keep cultivating this mind. Otherwise, if the mind is not alert, if the mind is in the dark, this mind will lead us into unwholesome activities or unwholesome thoughts, doing things that is harmful to ourselves and others. So that's why the mind is very important. And as you and I know, the mind does not stay still. The mind always goes from one place to another, always jump from one thought to the next. The mind always come up with stories about this and that. Okay, and that is what we call that self-ego mind. And so I think you agree that this mind here, if it's not study, your mind, my mind, if this mind here is not observed, if the mind is not studied, then the mind is gonna do things that can be no good, that can lead us into the abyss, that can lead civilization into war. It is because of this mind. So the mind is not something that you can leave alone. It has to be cultivated. It has to be tamed. It has to be trained. That's the nature of the mind. The mind is kind of wild because the mind is nature. The Buddha has compared our mind to a piece of land, right? Just picture a piece of land, okay, as our mind. With that piece of land, you put up fences around it, okay? doesn't matter how big that piece of land is that you want to imagine. Okay, let's just pick uh, your house where you live or your village. So you put up the fence around it to protect your, to protect your land. The fence that you put around the Buddha said that fence is just like what in Pali word called sila. Okay, sila or morality. Okay, or the precept that we often heard, the five precepts that we often heard. That's the fence that we build around our land. Okay. So the fence are the moralities that we should observe. So the fence is the five precept. It's a defensive mechanism that defend creatures or influence from outside to come into destroy our land or our mind, right? Okay. 
So that's the fence. The fence is like the is sila, is morality. Okay, is one way of defending our land or defending our mind. So, let's say we practice sila, we practice the five precepts. We building the fence around our mind. So now we have this piece of land. Okay. Remember, the mind is nature. This this piece of land doesn't just sit there and nothing happens. Okay, this piece of land has all kinds of seed from nature in it. So what does what happens on this piece of land? On this piece of land, if you don't do nothing, you don't do anything, naturally there will be grass, there will be weeds, there will be some flowers, some shrub, maybe a little tree or big tree, depending on what kind of seed that's in the ground, in that piece of land, it will grow. Okay? They will grow. So, without doing anything, that piece of land, through that piece of land, you will see all kinds of stuff growing in it. Okay? It's the same thing with our mind. Without studying it, without cultivating it, there are all kinds of stuff going on in the mind. Okay? And that is what we call an uncultivated mind or an uncultivated land. The land that is not cultivated or the mind that is not cultivated, they are bound to have all kinds of weeds and unwanted stuff growing on it. Okay? So, what do we do? What do the Buddha, What did the Buddha say? You have, if you want to have a good piece of land, if you have, if you want to have a good mind, with right thinking, with right view, you have to cultivate the land. Okay? Otherwise, the weeds will grow. Otherwise, unwholesome thought, unwholesome activities in the mind will grow. As you are seeing in the, in the society every single day, unwholesome thought, unwholesome activities are happening in uncultivated mind. Okay? And uncultivated mind leads to unwholesome thoughts and activities that cause harm to oneself and others. So this mind has to be cultivated. The land has to be cultivated. Okay? The weeds have to be pulled out. Okay? The land has to be fertilized. If you want to grow things that is of beneficial. The mind the mind is the same thing. If we want to have right mind, right thinking right view, we have to cultivate this mind. Okay? So, the act of cultivation, okay, the act of cultivation, the act of plowing the land, 
turning the land upside down and turn the weeds into fertilizer. This act, the Buddha is compared, has compared to the stage that we call samadhi or meditation. Or now, when I say meditation, doesn't mean that you sit down and close your eyes. Okay. Meditation is similar to contemplating and observing our own mind. As I have mentioned in my previous episodes regarding what meditation is. Meditation is not just sitting and closing the eyes. Okay, because meditation should be happening at every moment that we breathe. Because we don't just live while we sit down and close our eyes. We live every single moment that we are awake. That's especially when we are awake. That's when meditation should always happen. Observe our own mind. Okay? That observing the mind is called the meditation and that is called that is com, com, is, is compared to plowing the land okay you turning the land upside down turn the weeds into fertilizer so you observe and you study what is this mind all about Right, so that's where the study comes in. The study of the mind that the Buddha has taught. The study what is this mind is all about. The study of the mind faculties. Right, citta sika. What is it? How does it function? Okay, so that is plowing the land. That is cultivating the mind. You see, because if you don't cultivate that land, that land will grow weeds. Will grow all kinds of unwanted uh, natural stuff. See, it's part of nature. If you don't do anything, there will be stuff that grow there. It could be poison ivy. So you gotta cultivate that land. So you have to study what is this mind, right? Chitta. And what are the ingredients? What are the things that make this mind comes to be? Chitta Sika. How they come up, come together. How does the mind arise? The different kinds of citta sika or mind faculties, the wholesome citta and citta sika, and the unwholesome citta sika or mind faculties. How they come out? How, how do they function? Okay, so that's cultivating the mind. So once you cultivate, after you cultivate the mind, after you cultivate the land, then you can grow stuff, right? You can grow your vegetable, and you will have healthy vegetable, and you can have a healthy mind, and you can have benefits from that cultivated land, right? You can have nice vegetables, nice fruit, if you grow trees, things like that. The same as with your mind. If your mind is understand, and if you understand your mind, how it works, and you cultivate, and you steer it in the right way with right thinking and right view, 
then the mind will produce good result for you, not for anyone else, for you. So, it is very important to understand it. So, the fruit that you receive from your land, the vegetable that you receive from your land, the Buddha compared that to Panya or wisdom. Okay? When, once you cultivate your land, and you grow your vegetable, it will be a very good, healthy vegetable or tree that give you good fruit. That's how panya grow. And you keep nurturing it. You keep cultivating it. You keep pulling the weeds because weeds will still keep growing in your land. Unwholesome thought will always keep popping up in your head. But you know how to cultivate your mind. You know how to cultivate your land. When weeds grow, when the weeds come up, you know that, aha, uh-huh, that's the weed that is right now growing in my mind. I need to plug it out. You see? If you don't do anything, the weeds will take over your garden. The weeds will take over the land. See, you have to keep cultivating that mind. And that's what Panya or wisdom is. When you understand how the mind works, then you can learn how to cultivate it and grow it in the right way with the right thinking right view right that leads to right action right livelihood and all that okay so it all start with understanding this mind the ingredients and how it functions. So the mind, our mind, is at the forefront of everything. It's the source of our powers. And we all know that. So cultivating our mind is very, very, very important. It is can it, it can be very beneficial to the practitioner themselves. Okay, the practitioner is the first person who will reap the fruit or the vegetable from the land. It's the practitioner themselves. And, of course, the practitioner can always share that wisdom with others. But, first and foremost, it is the practitioner themselves that will reap and benefit from the, their own cultivated mind, from their own cultivated land. So, it's all about you. Right? It's all about your well-being. Okay. That's why uh, one of the... I heard from one of the uh, Indian uh, mystic. They call an Indian mystic. His name is Satguru. Yeah. He mentioned that... He said that the problem that we have is that we have this, that people have the intelligence against, that run against themselves, that they don't know how to operate, right? So, it's, they are suffering their own intelligence. So, in a way, 
it is what it, that's what it means is that you don't understand your own mind and when you don't understand your own mind you suffer from it okay and and you suffer from it it's not just because that you don't want that you want to suffer and it's not that you don't want happiness but you just don't know you see you just don't know about your own mind and that's why you, you that's why people keep on having issue and this is the reason why the buddha said the world lives in darkness you see that's why the buddha said the world lives in darkness the world do not understand their own mind one of the story in the sutra one day well there was this uh servant i in india back then she's a servant in this wealthy family okay so she must be she must uh, belong to the lower the lower caste of the society so i guess her life or her destiny was to serve this wealthy family for the rest of her life or something like that and day in and day out you know being a servant you know she has this low self-esteem already because you know that's who she thinks she she is and of course people are people their her her master um who she lives with you know they are normal i mean you know just people and people say things that you know that hurt people's feeling including the servant especially you know if especially the you know in families like that they a lot of time um, i would not say all the time but a lot of time they treat their servants like like uh, trash right like garbage like slaves they use um, harsh words you know on their servants on the people who work for them so day in and day out and you know there's insult and all that that goes on you know you're stupid you're dumb you know and all that and for non for normal ordinary people you know words like that um, hurt them okay so this servant lady um day in and day out you know she feel abused you know she feel uh she feel bad because her master treat her so bad so badly they scold her they look down at her you know they say all kinds of stuff day in and day out so one day as she was doing she had to uh, you know clean the dishes and all and back in the old time india you know she had to uh, take the dishes and the pots and pans to the to the water to the pond or you know the lake to wash or to the river i'm not sure which one but it's a a, a water body and because of the uh, repeated uh, quote unquote abuse that she's been taken for so long you know she said she couldn't take it anymore so on that day she contemplated uh, suicide okay because 
she could not see any bright future in her life and she's living in a miserable condition. So as she sat there at the, by the water contemplating suicide, at that time the Buddha uh, came by. The Buddha has a special insight into you know seeing people and the Buddha saw that it's time for her to wake up and it's time for that and she has the it's like her time to to be able to understand the Dharma. So the Buddha went and talked to her and asked her what the problem is because you know about you know because the Buddha can tell. So the Buddha went and talked to her and she told the Buddha about all kinds of things that she had endured and was thinking of doing committing that suicide and all that. So that was the time when the Buddha um, taught her the true Dharma of life about her mind about the the mental activity that is happening in inside of her okay so as the buddha explained to her about how she feel that that she didn't did not have to feel that way if she don't let her mind control her well-being Right, and as the Buddha explained about the mind to her, how the mind works, okay, how the mind affects her well-being, and how the mind affects other people, not just her mind, but the mind of her master also. How, why, how, why the master say certain things. And how is it that her mind respond and react is up to her. Okay, whether she can, whether she take it as personal or not is up to her. Right, and if she can understand and if she decide that words are just words and she can look at things as that that was just her mental activity that goes on in the mind and it's not her but it's the mind itself that is making all of this emotion that is happening inside that happened inside and she can decide what to do with that mind then she can be released. It's pretty much the kinds of teaching that I've been covering in many episodes, okay, about looking at the mind, whether how the mind reacts to the different things, right? So, after explaining and after hearing the Dharma, she woke up. She understood the Dharma. She understood her own mind. She said, oh, wow. For all of these years, I've never heard anything like this. Right? Never heard anything like this. I've always thought that that was it whatever I thought that's who I was but now I realize that I don't have to be that way see now I realize that this mind here can be controlled I used to be 
under the influence of my own mind and my own emotion. But thanks to the Buddha, I now realize that this does not have to be this way. Just because my master have said bad things and scold me and call me whatever, I am who I am here. I don't have to be sad. I don't have to feel low or anything just because of people's words. My well-being can be kept within me. See, my own happiness can be have within me without having to react to other people's words. She woke up to the truth of who she was. She got to understand her own mind. And on that day, she woke up. She's changed. Right? And after she's changed, she felt like this, uh, the dark cloud has been lifted off from her, her, her head or a, a heavy burden has been let down, has been uh, put down. She feel light. She feel liberated. And she feel happy. And the world seems to be so bright and clear. Before it was so dark, no hope. Okay? And thing is like turned upside down. Something that's been, you know, down for so long has been turned upside. That's how she felt. She become a very happy person. And of course, she was so thankful to the Buddha who had explained that Dharma to her. From that time on, she has changed. And her change of attitude, of course, radiated to others. The masters start to notice that no matter what they say or, or scold or anything, she stopped having that long face like before she would always be smiling and happy and just do a good job. And both the master, the husband and wife, and wife started to notice that, the change in her. Okay, the change in her attitude. So the master one day called her and said, Hey, we notice something different in you. Something kind of good. What is it? What's going on? See, now the masters are curious that, okay, something has changed. You see how contagious um, good attitude is? Her changing attitude radiates, radiated and it affects others also. Now the master, both the husband and wife, wants to know what's going on. Now that she seems that to be so happy and radiant all the time. And the slave or the servant, of course, she told the ma- her master, so, oh, I have met this incredible person that I now call him my father. I have found a new father. 
and she explained to them what the Buddha said and taught her. The masters, both the wife and husband, was so impressed with the things that had with the change that she had and with the with the lesson that they heard they asked the servant to take them to see the Buddha and of course they received the Dharma and they all become enlightened You see, the mind is something that we all need to cultivate. Okay, so this is very important. If we don't cultivate, weeds will grow. And as we all know, and as you all know, I have covered in multiple episodes before, how is it that we cultivate our mind? How is it that our mind comes to be? Our mind comes to be and it arises by the sixth sense that we have, right? The five sense doors plus the mind itself and with what that I call the central CPU, the sixth sense. Okay. So our mind comes to be through all this our five sense door have contact with the world. Our five sense doors have contact with the world. Each contact creates a mind, a visual mind, an audio mind, the mind that comes from the smell, come from taste, and come from the the, the the physical sensory feeling. That's how our mind comes to be, this interaction that we have. That's what makes this happening that we are experiencing right now. Right? And it happens very quickly from one moment to the next. Right? The way we see, if there's no light, we don't see. Right? So the seeing happens from one moment to the next in a very rapid, uh, consecutive um, happening. One shot at a time or one, one blip at a time. Right? Blip, 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 blip. And then it becomes a stream as, as we see the movie. If there's only one blip of light, you cannot make sense of anything. But when the light keeps going on, then we can see. Right? So that what brings um, our visual mind come. To, to be is the continuation of the interaction between the eyes and the object. That's the visual mind, the mind that is based on vision. And of course, the, the other four sense objects also that we have that create our mind and all of this information is brought inside to the sixth sense who make up the big picture who comprise who gather all of these different information from the five senses and it create this story that we call who we are. Okay. We call who we are is a comprise of experiences through the five senses. 
and that becomes who we are. So who we are really is not anything that we do. It's a natural phenomenon that happened by itself. All of this information, all this data comes through our five sense doors. They come and merge and together to the sixth mind. And as the sixth mind process them continuously, repeatedly, it becomes a story. It becomes the experience that we have. That's who we are. So is there a self I doing anything in there? Nope. There's no self I. There's no I in there anywhere that is doing anything. All of this is happening for you. You see? All of this is happening for you. You become aware of all of these things by yourself. You're not doing it. You're not doing the awareness. You're not doing the consciousness. Because you and I, we are that consciousness itself. There's no I doing it. It's just this happening that is happening right now. Okay? It's just the happening. It's the experience that is happening right now. So with all of that, where is I? There's no I. There's no I doing all these things. Okay? So, this is the point that where we all need to start, get started. Once you can understand this grasses, if there's no I, that's why the Buddha said, there's no one born, there's no one die. Because there's no I that is born. There's no, there's no I born. Who you are, who I am, is pure awareness and consciousness that is happening due to this repeated phenomenon by themselves. All these experiences, that's who we are. There's no I behind it. See, that is something that is very important to understand. When there's no I to it, there's nothing to cling on to, okay? So why is it that people see, but, but for, well, I will not say why, but for people, for most ordinary people, there is an I. Be, and because of that illusion, because of the thinking, that there is an I. Of course, there is greed, right? Because I want to get something for me, for myself. That I has greed. And that I is angry because the I is trying to protect itself. Or the I wants to be somebody, wants to be big. Want to be, want to be called this and that. Want to be praised. And the I don't want to. And this I, the self I, don't want people to look down upon. But if you understand the concept of no I, you take that I out. That greed, that desire, that anger, 
will automatically disappear by themselves. That's where true happiness arises. You see? It sounds backward. For most of the people, people think true happiness is to gather things for the eye. Is to go get things for that eye. The eye wants to get the happiness. But no. According to Buddha's teaching, true happiness lies without the eye. It's the opposite. When there's no eye, that's when true happiness arises. Now, you ask yourself, how many people can understand that? Not many. Not many can understand that. It's a hard one to grasp. But that's why it need to be cultivated and you need to contemplate on it and find out for yourself. You see, my talk, the different books, the different video you watch on YouTube or whatnot, they are just pointers. But the direct realization depends on you and you only. The direct realization is on you. If you can grasp that concept, then you will see what true happiness or liberation is. That's what i like to share with you all today. I hope it is something that is of beneficial to you and something that hopefully you can you know get something out of it until later date namaste